1: Watching Zach and crew catch groundbreaking proof of the paranormal, inspiring us to explore our own interest in otherworldly phenomena. This is our podcast. We are Paranormal Hi, hi, hi. Hey, hey, hey. It's a glorious day. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Isn't it from um, a Nickelodeon show? Hey, hey, it's a wonderful kind, kind of day. day. Um, it's uh, Arthur. Nothing's going to get in my PBS. way. PBS. And then and we I like can. to
0: transition into like Gullah Gullah, and I'll be like, we're having fun with each other. Uh, uh, no, that's, that's
1: the same one. Oh, is it? the same story. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, that's Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> and get along with each other. Oh, shit. It's like, right. What a wonderful kind of day. Yeah, that's Arthur, bro. (laughs) We PBS kids. We are PBS kids. That means it's me, Leah. And it's me, Bethany. And we're the Paranormal Boothas. And hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're glad you're back, because we got a good one here for you today.
0: We have um, Albert and Jake of the Austin Seance, uh, who joined us to share their stories and give us a little spooky history about seances, and really just have... A super great conversation. Um, the guys were just really cool.
1: Yeah, Austin Seance is better, so make sure to check them out. <laughs> check, 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 check it out.
0: Super excited to be here today. Uh, we have Albert and Jake of the Austin Seance. Hey, guys.
2: Hey. Hello, hello. How are y'all?
1: Good. Doing great. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself so everyone um, knows whose voice is who? Jake, you want to go first?
2: Yeah, you, no, go, you go Albert. first. All right, I'll go. Uh, I'm Jake Cordero. I'm one half of the Austin Seance, and um, yeah, that's me. <laughs>
3: uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm Albert, and I am the other half of the Austin Seance. Um, that's my voice, so this is my voice, and that's Chick's voice, so now you know who we are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> love it love it love it <laughs> now it's smooth sailing <laughs> that's right <laughs> so of course we we know you guys and and what y'all do uh here around town uh we actually had the opportunity to first come across y'all at paranormal fest out in san antonio back the uh, 2021 mm-hmm. i think maybe or two yep okay no, like- 21 we- okay. Uh, so we've been wanting to have this sit down with y'all since, uh, Paranormal Fest of 2021. <laughs> so, uh, if you could just really quickly kind of give, uh, our listeners a heads up of, of what it is you guys do, and then we'd love to jump in and hear how it all started.
2: Uh, I can start, Albert, if that's all right. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, we, uh, have been conducting, um, you know, sound sessions for the last, what is it now, seven years or so, six or seven years. Yes, uh, in Central Texas uh, and throughout the state, we started out uh, doing private sessions um, at our home for friends and stuff, and then after a while, we uh, kind of expanded out and have been conducting uh, these Sam sessions uh, in Austin, San Antonio, and you know Corpus Christi and uh, Houston and all sorts of places. So we just we travel around. We've got a big van, and uh, we we conduct these sessions. We also do workshops. Uh, occult workshops on you know psychometry and taxiography and and uh talking boards and things like that, and um, we have a journal, yeah. so we have a quarterly journal that we 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 publish, and so we're all about um, we're all about education. And so a lot of what we're doing is uh, devoted to the idea of sort of getting the word out about the history of American spiritualism and seances. And we think it's a, it's a, you know, it's a fascinating history. And uh, so a lot of what we do is very sort of educational in that way. Well,
3: and I'd say like a lot of what we do is also very um, accessible. So um, when we talk about seances, we're not talking about like medium led seance. We're talking about a call and reply 1848 style original seance where anyone can kind of do it. And so we wanted to make this accessible. Uh, We find that a lot of people that that enjoy coming to our seances and have a really good experience are ones that I would call like, um, lack of a better term, soccer mom curious, right? These are people that aren't goth. They're not witchy, Mm -hmm. but they have like that interest, right? And maybe maybe they have some crystals and some stuff at their house that they may be interested in, but they're not going to show their friends and they're not going to, that's not, you know, but they're very interested in it. And so what we find is that we want to make it a safe space for those who are curious into the occult to, to be able to explore it in a place where they feel safe as well as be very educational about what we do, because there's a long history that is sometimes forgotten in this, in this area when we talk about seances and, and spiritualism and, and connecting with the spirit.
0: Yes. No. And we love that. And we've had the opportunity to uh, witness one of your seances and, and participate in one of your events. And it was, so awesome. Like I have no words. It was just a really, really great time. And and like you said, educational. Um, but this isn't something that you know, either a lot of people know of, or people don't just really kind of get into, right? Like uh, that—that's what brings us all together—is is the paranormal aspect of some of these things. So, um, could you share with us maybe what what started the curiosity, or are there any experiences that kind of led us
3: down this path? Yeah, you start. Jake is more. I'm the more of the uh, skeptical kind of guy who's like, I I worked with ghost hunters. I used to hang out with ghost hunters. I used to do investigations with them all over Texas, Kansas, and Nebraska. And like I'm the guy that's like that, that they don't necessarily like because I'm the guy that's like, Well, let's go find out what it is and I'm over there and I'll sit in front of a door for three hours waiting for it to move. So I'm more of that kind of guy. Uh, but I've had some really cool experiences, but Jake has probably got much cooler experiences than me. So we'll let yeah, we, Jake start.
2: Well, we, 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 uh, Albert and I, I think we make a fantastic team. And part of it is that we come of it from different life experiences and we have a different sort of philosophy about what, what, what's going on and what's happening. And, you know, the, the simple comparison that we always make is, you know, uh, you know Molder and Scully, because um, I think, uh, uh, Albert is 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 a bit more skeptical than I am. I am much more open to the experiences than he is, and so we, uh, you know, we've been doing this for again for six or seven years, and you know, we still are, we still like to argue. It gets kind of quite heated on occasion uh, as to kind of what it is that we've just observed, right? And um, so. That I think makes what we do particularly kind of. Uh, there's a lot of texture to what we do, and it's a lot of fun because I think that a lot of the experiences that we've had in the sounds room uh, I've found to be sort of either inexplicable or, um, you know, quite startling. And, you know, Albert's always looking for different things, kind of different ways to sort of think about it. And so we're, we're on a spectrum, right? And so I think that it's uh, that dynamic with both of us, I think helps, uh, creates a very inviting place in the sound room for everybody of all faith, sort of all faith tradition. So we have people that are agnostic. We have people that are true believers and we have everybody in between. And I think that that creates a very safe space. Uh, as far as like sort of experiences, uh, I, you know, some of my experiences were very, very early. Um, in fact, I think a recent edition of our journal, I talk about, um, Experience when I was probably six or seven years old, where this mysterious oh, the man, the hat, yeah, the hat man, the hat man showed up in my room. There's two of them showed up in my room, and I was sort of terrified about it. Uh, it was one of my earliest memories. Um, and once I kind of went down this road, I read that this was a very common phenomena, that this has occurred to other people, and so I think that these sorts of experiences are just such common experiences, and and Uh, the search for patterns in life are to me fascinating right and so we see these to me it seemed like a uh, inexplicable kind of supernatural event uh you know who the hell knows what happened but it was to me my personal experience was that it was quite startling uh and something that kept you know i'm I'm nearly 60 years old now and it, it stayed with me for the rest of my life and so um You know, that's, you know, kind of events like that become sort of seminal and they sort of set you along your journey. And then I've had other ones along the way. Albert, I know Albert has had experiences and his father has talked about experiences he's had and he denies all of them. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever.
3: So Albert used to see some ghost girl or some. some Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a very, there's a good, this is actually a really cool story. So, first of all, as a child, I was a very scared kid. Like, I was scared of the dark. I was to have um, dreams um, of a, a parade that would go down my street that was led by, like, a man that looked like a bat. Not the Batman, but a man that, like, a shadow man that was like a bat that would lead the parade. I would, uh, I would have dreams of, like, a creature that would crawl down from my attic because... My bedroom was just outside the little hole that goes up to the attic, right, where that door comes down. And so I would have dreams every night that this creature, not every night, but recurring, would be coming down from like the spindly creature coming down from the attic. So I was I was already kind of in that world as a little kid. Um, and so I I was really fascinated with all things that went bump in the night. Like I collected books on UFOs, Bigfoot, every ghost thing that you could. And I think it helped me with my my fear of those things. Um, but the story that Jake is telling you guys about is an interesting story involving my neighbor's house. So this is, uh, I want to say I was probably like nine or ten. And me and my neighbor used to write short stories. That was the thing that we enjoyed doing because we were nerds. Uh, and so we would get together. We'd write little short stories. And I remember me and him were in his house. His parents were gone. My sister was forced to come over. I, I can't remember. She probably got in trouble. And so she had to come watch us because uh, my neighbor was about my age, so she had to just be there. And um, he had a box fan that was blowing air through the room and a, and a sheet that was hanging from the front door, the bedroom door, right? So he had a sheet hanging down, and this box fan was on. And every now and then, the sheet would kind of blow up and then come back down, right? So you can kind of see into the hallway. And it'll blow up and come down. And so we were writing stuff, and my sister, completely annoyed with us, is just laying on the bed with her headphones in, listening to something on a cassette. Because this was back in the day. Uh, You younger listeners probably won't understand what cassettes are. But so we were, so we were, so she's there. And me and my friend are writing stuff. And I started hearing like um, flicks around the house. Like someone's walking around the house, like kind of running around. And I remember telling, asking my neighbor, uh, hey man, like what's, what's going on? Like, what's this noise? And he goes, oh yeah, that's just the little girl. And I was like, what are we talking about? He goes, oh yeah, it's the little girl. Um, She runs around, don't worry about it. And and, and this is a house where he's the youngest of three brothers, like there's three brothers. There are no, uh, no females other than his mother, who's not home in, in, in the house. And so as we're sitting there writing, I was like, okay, whatever. And I'm kind of spooked out. And I hear the footsteps coming towards us and the little curtain, the little sheet blows up because the fan comes by and a little girl in a pink dress goes running by the door. Uh, and I'm just like, okay, I've got to leave now. And, uh, my sister's like, what are you freaking out about? Cause she's not paying attention. And that's, uh, so, so I asked, I, I was like, okay, I'm going home. So I just got up and like left. I'm like, not even like non, there is no, okay. Time. I was like, okay, thank you. Bye. And I just like walked <laughs> out of the house. Um, my, my, uh, I ended up asking my neighbor the next day about the situation. And I said, y'all have a ghost. And she said, oh yeah, yeah, we have a ghost. It's a little girl. And she runs around the house. and Don't worry about her. And I was like, What what do you mean? And she said, Well, she, you know, she she was in a car accident and she was like like hit in front of the house and like died. She's living in the house and she died uh, from this car accident because there was in my there was no like the street the way the street was built was kinda weird. So anyway, uh and there's always legends, like there's always these big stories, right? Anytime I'd go ghost hunting, it was always like, All the bodies of people who died in yellow fever were buried under this. Hmm. pre-school or something, I don't know. So, because uh, it's always something like that. So, anyway, so I was like, whatever. I, 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 that's fine. Years later, my parents bought that property and because they moved out, my neighbors moved out, they bought their property and they tore down their house. And my dad claims that when they tore down the house, they found photo albums in the attic with pictures of a little girl inside of them.
2: That's fantastic, Howard. Hallelujah.
3: I
0: was like nine. Oh, my goodness. And you're skeptic?
2: So, and you're, and you're yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on the, the yeah. skeptic he's, he's,
3: he's a real pain that way. It's yeah. Like unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Just so, but I'm fascinated just so with it. Like, I mean, that's my big experience. And so I'm really fascinated because I wish, I wish me now could, like, be in that room again to like experience it so that's the thing is like i remember even here in my house like everyone asks my house is haunted if i hear something i'm going towards it i mean i one night i kept i heard it like, but one of my doors would open and i'd hear this noise and so i would constantly watch it and like do stuff and then i finally figured out what it what it was that was causing causing the the door to open so that's me like i'm i i'm really fascinated with that but but not, yeah. but not Jake. But-
2: The thing about our sessions and the thing about what we do, and I think the thing that I think is fascinating about all this is that it's all very visceral. And we, in our sound sessions, we try to create uh, an environment that's conducive to have those sorts of experiences. And they're very personal and very subjective, right? And so I've had all sorts of weird things happen to me in the course of my life. And then you go back and your kind of rational brain starts thinking about it and you start thinking like, well, maybe it was this and maybe it was that and maybe this happened. But mm-hmm. in the moment, there's none of that. In the moment, it's really an experience, it's a very visceral experience of the supernatural. And I yeah. think that, that that is what we try to sort of where we try to get uh, in the seance in the room. We talk a lot in, in during our sessions about how really the power within the room resides among our sitters because each of them are having a very personal experience and quite on occasion quite powerful because people are having these very personal experiences and I'm not, you know, I'll be the first to admit that we have never had a a ghost girl uh, walk through our room during a session that's fully embodied but we've had plenty of You know, we've had plenty of very visceral, emotional sort of
3: strange things, uh,
2: reactions in the room to things that you know people that are people experiencing their scene, and uh, you know, and so those those experiences, to my mind, are real to the extent that they are legitimately experienced in the way you know. Whatever, who knows what happened with this like this girl that walked past Albert? Who knows what that was? But it was. I, I have no doubt in my mind that the experience itself was sort of sincerely, yeah. it was a sincere experience, right? It was an authentic experience. It was something that happened to Albert, right? So
3: Yeah, and, and well, as an adult, I'm, I'm really interested in it because I know that, like, as we recall stuff, the more that we recall a memory, this is just very interesting, the more degraded the memory becomes. Uh, and so the more that we start to fill in those parts that may have, like, as we re-encode it, because we recall it, we have to put it back in its little filing system in our brain, it becomes slowly degraded over time, and so you're constantly changing that, so I'm very fascinated in like going back, if I create a time machine and be in that room and see, did I see what I thought I saw, or am I now recalling something a very different experience? But anyway, you guys can talk, because Jake and I can just like ramble with each other for like five hours, <laughs> no, and it becomes like a heated situation.
1: No, this is yeah. your episode. This, it's what you... yeah. You ramble me, you ramble. But I, I think so far, yeah.
0: y'all have mentioned some really great things and already so many parallels um even just the hat man we've we've talked to people who have seen this hat man right even to the point where it was like oh we just called him you know charlie you know charlie's here again and this figure would just be there um the even you albert mentioning the attic space and and having those dreams or, or seeing what you saw and uh, I, at our older home out in East Austin, I would see, um, shadow figures and they pretty much, I was like, oh, they just live up there. And I would point to the hole into the attic. Yeah. And that's where wow. they, so already just these crazy coincidences. So no, please keep rambling. I love yeah. it.
3: <laughs> no, that's yeah, that's all that, I mean, all that's really fascinating, and I, and I think about, like, so that man in the hat, Jake and I were working on some stuff, and we were writing some stories, and I remember telling somebody about the man in the hat, because Jake, I was telling some coworkers about some stories and trying to bounce, like, ideas, and how do we, how do we create a narrative for because we were working on a project a while back where we wanted to make a series of uh, stories and well, I kind of like where you guys do a podcast. And I remember telling the story to a friend of mine about the hat man. And the guy said, looked at me and he goes, I'm going to tell you a story. And he said that his father, as his father was in a hospital, again, he He's passing away and his father's in the hospital and him and his friends and family are there and they're around his father. And his father just sits up in bed, points in the corner of the room, where no one is standing and says, "Who's the man in the hat?" and then passed away. So yep. I find that like even fascinating. Yeah. That you know, that's a really interesting occurrence like that. Yeah. yeah. So you get you all that. Talk, you know?
2: And you guys talked to Hat Man as well, or do you you Have y'all had some? Or, or yeah. uh, have y'all uh, had a guest or somebody that talked about that?
0: Yeah, yeah. If y'all are looking for Hat Man stories, I'm sure we can... Uh, oh, yeah. Put people well, there
2: was a woman uh, that was quoted, I think, in the San Antonio Current, Stacey Alejos or something, maybe was yep. her name. She was oh, a San Antonio yeah. woman, and she experienced, uh, she, she experienced the phenomenon. And then I, I was, I came across an article on it in a magazine as an adult, right? And I was like, oh, holy cow, I, this happened to me. Yeah. that's why I decided we wanted to write something about it for our journal because it wasn't, you know, if you've never experienced something like that, you're likely to just sort of write it off as just crazy people making yeah. up stories. Right, yeah. But I was like, well, I, I had this this personal experience so I could relate to it, and it was one of my earliest kind of memories. And it wasn't a dream as far as I could tell. I mean, and I, it stuck with me.
3: Yeah. So, you know, um, well, mine is like, I, I mean, I, and I take it as an interview because I have sleep paralysis. And so I see it as like a, a hippo kind of uh, state that I'm in as I'm kind of coming out. Of, I'm in that state of paralysis. And I and I, I will tell you my hat man story, um, which was, uh, it wasn't a man in hat, but I remember one night I was in bed and I was having a lot of anxiety. And I had uh, an episode of sleep paralysis. And what I usually see is demons. So that's the thing that I see. I, but I was Catholic school yeah. growing up so that makes sense right um, And so I was in bed and then I wake up and there's a figure standing above me and so I know that if I blink I can I can uh, get myself out of the state right And so like I blink and I'm out of the state. Go back to bed I have another another episode of, of sleep paralysis right Again like, I blink I get a, I, I got it happens a third time right And again the figure standing over me And so the third time the figure standing over me and the hands are like clawing at the air above my head right? And I'm, and I'm laying there in bed, and so I blink, right? And it's still there. And it's still the shadow figures, black figures, just doing this. And so I blink again, and I'm like, okay, now I'm, I'm awake, and I kind of look, I move my head around, I realize I'm no longer in a sleep paralysis state. There is, uh, there, there's this thing in my room. So uh, I did what I thought I should do. I jumped up in my bed and onto my knees, and I said, uh, let's go. And then some ex- expletives. I realized, so I was like, "Let's we're gonna we're gonna have a fight, right?" And the figure stops mid mid claw and goes, "Oh, dude, I lost my cell phone, and I'm trying to find it. And it was my roommate who had come in my room, and and he was trying to find the cord from the fan to turn on the light. So that's why he was clawing at the air above my head. Uh, so that's my that's my man in the hat uh, situation." <laughs> So anyway, there you go. There you go. <laughs> oh my
0: goodness. I mean, good good one. That's awesome.
3: <laughs> That's
0: yeah. awesome. Uh, so uh, get on my frame. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you've had these experiences and then of course how the Austin seance came to be, and then maybe yeah. some experiences through one of your seances that really sticks out.
2: So, we, like I said,
3: Albert, I, I, I've lost track of the time. Was it six years,
2: seven years? How long have we been doing
3: this? We started, so me and you started working on, on uh, doing a public seance in 2015. But you and I probably met in 2013, 2012. 2013 is when we probably would have first met.
2: Yeah. And so we were both. Uh, interested in this sort of thing um, and so I had a um, my daughter was sort of a, a very odd person so anyway she we would do seances with my daughter at my house and I had built a, uh, this spirit cabinet for her um, it's just, just large armoire and it's sort of a classical thing that uh, is sort of historically used in a lot of seances uh, in the early 20th century and late 19th century
3: yeah and around so, 1880s yeah, or 1860s yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, so we would... Anyway, I built one for her, and we would conduct seances in the house. And she was a little kid, and so we would lock her into the cabinet, and uh, we'd conduct a seance, and and now she's in therapy. So
3: Jake says odd, we can find out why. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah. It's all funny now as we think about it. Uh, um, But anyway, she conducts seances, and she still still does on occasion, but when she conducts seances, we do them in the house. And so Albert was real interested in that, and he we got he kind of knew that we were doing that and so he he uh, you know he we kind of got he approached me at some point and said why don't we uh, you know why don't we get together and sort of try to come up with a you know start doing séances ourselves for for our friends and stuff so we did a few of them for at home like just we get people together and we were doing séances and trying to kind of figure out an approach that we thought was effective and we kind of early on we decided that we we're really interested in the history and, and the educational aspect of spiritualism. We didn't want kind of a BSC sort of a, approach that was a bunch of mumbo jumbo. We wanted something that was sort of uh, very much um, grounded in history. And, and so.
3: And I think uh, and the reason why, and just to kind of sorry to jump in, Jake, I think sure, the reason right. why is when we look at, when you go, I mean, you Google seances in local area or whatever, you try to find something, you're going to find. Maybe something's like a theatrical seance, where it's a play about seances, or you'll find a magic show that's just a magic show that has seance stuff in it, or you're going to find like these other things. And so we wanted something that was a little bit more accessible. And again, go back to that 1848. The reason why spiritualism and the seance was so popular in the 1800s, um, and to give kind of context to your listeners, is uh, is that you know the first seance um, was in 1848, and um, it was. What made it? What made the movement so big? Where there were so many converts, where they were having seances in the White House, and they were having uh, like I think there was like sixty newspapers dedicated to seances and spiritualism, and three hundred groups across the United States. Like these numbers that grew within a decade grew because it was a do-it-yourself. Thing. Like, it was this, you didn't need some special gift or need ability, you just had to be willing to play a couple of games in the dark and you can you can try to commune with the, with the dead. And so that was really what it is. And so we have this do-it-yourself attitude already in the U.S., but especially then. And so that's what helped create that movement. And so with Jake, when we talk about the history, when we talk about trying to replicate that, it's because that, I think, is more interesting the people we want coming to our seances, We want people that are gonna go home and explore it further, hopefully, and have accessibility. Because it, I think this is, I'm not knocking any kind of other seances or attempts, but I think with a medium-led seance, well, now I need to find a medium, right? I need to go find somebody that can do this. But what we're showing is just go to your home and try some stuff out and see what happens. Yeah, and that's, we- I think, what we all, our ultimate goal was to try to kind of bring that back.
2: We do a lot of we do a lot of workshops as well, and the idea is that we you come to one of our workshops and you should leave with sort of an, an interest in some area and and maybe an ability to try stuff at home. and Our and our sound sessions themselves are sort of workshop esque, right? I mean, we we talk about when you come to one of our sessions, you'll leave with some sort of rudimentary history of the American spiritualism, but we've also talked about tools that you can use at home. Uh, we talk a lot about that and things that you can do at home, and we really stress the idea that. Uh, and one thing that we say over and over again is kind of a joke, but you know, uh, you know, I'm maybe a little bit intuitive. Albert claims that he's not intuitive at all, um, but uh, you know, almost without exception, that we'll have people within our room who are going to be quite intuitive. And so, one of the things that we try to do is try to find those intuitives in the room. We try to sort of and and help create this sort of shared experience. And so um, that you know, these are all. But all this is a way of putting kind of uh, putting the force and putting the authority and the power back with sitters. So they when they leave our session, they realize, well, I can do this myself. I mean, to the extent that I can be my own medium, and I can uh, you know I can conduct my own session. And these are the way. These are the tools that I can use to do these things. So, um,
3: yeah, very little, I mean, there's nothing about us in our sales. Like, you know, as we do it, there's nothing like, we tell the stories, talking about history, but if you, if you go to any of our sessions, you'll notice that they're very different, each one. And they're very unique to the individuals in that room. There's nothing, I don't think ever comes really through It comes maybe once or twice where it's like, here's a message for you, Jake. But on the intuitive part, I saw that y'all smiled when, when Jake said that I have no intuitive bone in my body. Uh, That is true. I have a long history of bad relationships to show that I have no intuitive bone in my body. So (laughs) this one, you ought to know. That's terrible. And
2: yeah, it's even led me to drink when we're working together. It's like, damn, Damn, Albert, man, get your shit together. (laughs) Do you you not see my face right
3: now? (laughs)
2: Nope. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So anyway, that's, that's kind of where we're at with, with a lot of the sessions that we have. And we, uh, you know, and so we really, we've tried to, you know, we talk about sort of, you asked, I guess, about events and and sort of uh, the creepy things that have happened in the room. And one thing I think is interesting is that said, we talk about, um, you know, every sort of, all of our sessions are unique. All of them are different. People come away with different experiences. Uh, but with the same token, we will often conduct sessions back to back to back to back in the same venue. And, um, and we have found often, almost, uh, almost every time, that it's like a battery that is continues to become charged. And by the end of the, you know, we may have a two week run somewhere. And by the end of that run, uh, we we often find that that sort of whatever activity, whatever experiences are much more intense sometimes as the run continues. And we've in fact had sessions, which I thought were fascinating, and Albert and I talked about this earlier, that we didn't want to get too much in the details because a lot of these these experiences are quite personal. But I will say that we have had experiences where it's a call and response, and we're often trying to get letters or combinations of of letters or numbers or some sort of a combination of messages. And um, we have gotten on occasion on active action, where a name will uh, will emerge, uh, you know, where, where we get some sort of a call response and we get a name? Oh, I know
3: who you're talking about.
2: And we got it back to back,
3: right? Yeah, one on a Friday night, one on a Saturday night. We've got so I, I'll, I can tell the story, kind of. Yeah. So we don't want to we don't want to give details out because sometimes we don't. Again, these are very personal stories, and, and as we say in our séances, we don't we don't really share these outside because these can be very per, very profound for the individuals that are sharing their experiences with us. But uh, I know on one occasion we had um, the same three letters uh, come out, and they were part of a name, and um, this is very unique. It didn't happen, and the first night, no one no one really said anything, and we continued because we were trying to figure out what it is, and and a lot of it really is involvement of our sitters. If our sitters. If everybody's kind of nervous and introverted, not willing to talk, then we don't really get much because we're not getting a message. But, but this you know this person didn't say anything. We went through the next night. We get the same exact uh, letters, and, and, and at this point should, in this city, huh? you, you should just a pause here. You have to yeah. understand how
2: statistically unlikely it is. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. we would get, we would get the three letters. I mean, it's 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 fantastically unlikely that we yeah. would get the three yeah. same letters back to back. In,
3: in the sequence that we got them too, in and sequence. so and so we said, "Is this a name?" Right? And so when we said this is a name, the sitters took it upon themselves in the second session that we had the next night to just start yelling out names. Right? And so they're yelling out names. We're not getting anything. And then uh, some gentleman there yells out uh, a name, and it just we get it. We get a strong response there. And what, we, and what he says is, I was here last night. Those were the same letters. I knew the name, but I didn't want to say it. And so then we get it the next night, and then we get a really strong kind of connection, and we're able to move forward because he said something like he kind of really brought that in. Um, we have one that Jake likes to say where uh, we were doing mini seances in, uh, for an event where we were doing little 30-minute, 25- uh, to 30-minute sessions, uh, which is very quick for seances. Um, and so we were doing these little mini sessions and we ended up on, uh, a couple of letters, random letters, letters that didn't make any, any sense. It wasn't
2: more than a couple. It was like, it was like five.
3: Yeah, it was five letters. It was five five letters letters in order, in order that were just random. So like, you know how, like, what is, what is, uh, I'm going to test y'all's, y'all's, uh, uh, y'all's internet skills. So what is, uh, LOL mean?
1: Laugh, oh, out, laugh loud.
3: out loud! What? Laugh out loud! Right? What does uh, uh, T I L mean? T I L. T I L. Oh, Today I learned. All oh, right, I didn't know oh, that.
2: I, I
0: did. T I L in that
3: one then. <laughs> yeah. So we have these acronyms that mean certain things, right? And so, anyway, so we were doing this mini session as we did it. Um, we got three. Uh, we got five letters in a row. They were like that. It was kind of like T I L or like uh, I Y C M. In case you missed, right? And it's kind of like, what does that mean? So anyways, so we get, we end up with these letters and um, the woman has a very, very strong response to it. Um, she gets them in his leaves in the middle of the session um, or near the end, just leaves. And so, you know, Jake and I are worried about her. Her friend is still there. We're talking to her friend. She comes back in and in the story that is being told to us, um, she had a partner who passed away and he would send her those specific letters and they were a message that was directly uh, from from, like that, that, she exactly she knew exactly. And it was and so, these five no, unique letters. So when Jake talks about like the combinations that are out there of 26 letters, it's, it's, they can come out and it's pretty interesting.
2: Yeah. So it was five letters in order that she, this guy, it was a personal message that this man would send to her to express his affection to her before he passed away. And it was not like a message like spelled out. It was yeah. like you know when you're when you're on your phone and you're texting, there were initials, right? And right. so it was it was it was it was five letters that expressed, and that's why we're being a little bit vague about this because we don't want to. It was a very personal sort of yeah. message, but but it was uh, I remember specifically what the message was, but it was it was so startling when I heard that, and that was one of the things that really uh, you know gave us pause as to kind of what is exactly that's happening here in the room. Now you know, and I, I we mentioned before that Albert's quite can be quite skeptical, and, and and you know you can always kind of think, well, maybe you know you you do this enough, and maybe we're just gonna you know sometimes these crazy things happen, and that's certainly true. But um, I, I find those sorts of events and the other one that we described so statistically unlikely that I, I just it kind of blows me away, right? And we well, you, you know, yeah. go ahead.
3: I want to say, the things that I enjoy because we—I mean, Jake and I have done over 400 of these publicly—and the things that I enjoy, are the things that nobody ever experiences in the room, like they—they're experiencing, but they're not realizing what they're experiencing because it's something that Jake and I realize is so subtly different with the environment or what's going on. And the one that I can think of is we were doing one and uh, we came out of the guided meditation and we're asking spirits to give us the sign, and Jake and I—you could feel like this, like little boom just a deep boom in the middle of the room and uh, it like, feels like it came from the middle of the room and it kind of hits you like it reverberates right and and i stop and i just stare right at jake and jake stares right back at me and we're just staring at each other like what the f is that right i, I don't want to cuss because but i realize that y'all show has a cuss word in the show so i kind of feel like it's appropriate but i just you know so anyways i look at jake and jake looks at me and, and it's like, and it's like this moment of like, what was that? Like, what was, what was that? That's something that's, that's new. That's never happened before. But then we look, I look around to all the sitters and they're just sitting there smiling and like waiting for something to happen. And I was like, that was the moment. Did you not feel that? Did you not see that? But it's it's that thing of like, the room is so new to them that they're expecting like these very large, dramatic things. And it's this, this little thing that just, is just weird. And you're like, that's, that's something weird, and, and also like one thing that happens for me uh, near the end of the sessions is uh, my one of my ears will go deaf every now and then, uh, which is very cool. It feels like you know when you get like water in your ear and it kind of clogs up. So something like that happens. But those are things we try to tell people like pay attention to those uh, because those are like little signs that are going to they make you feel like you're connected. Definitely, yep.
0: that sounds like a intuition though. It sounds like you are maybe a little intuitive there, Albert. I don't know.
3: Oh no, still yeah.
0: Like I think that's
3: intuitive. a good
1: description. Yeah. <laughs> the definition itself—it's <laughs> got a picture by you in the dictionary. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs>
1: but so do you guys
2: play with you guys play with Ouija boards and stuff?
0: Oh my goodness! Only um, when we were younger and completely ignorant about them, and just thought, oh, yeah. this is something cool, like slumber party games. Um, yeah. we, we've talked about it before. Like we didn't know, like, hey, you got to close the board. You got to actually like.
3: Oh, no, you don't. Like, so yeah, we, no, you like, don't. Hey, who's here? Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, there's a lot of ritual that goes to board. I, this is, I get onto this because I get all like, I, I like the history part, so I really enjoy research on stuff. Uh, and if y'all haven't, y'all should look up Brandon Hodge, uh, he's uh, like an expert on talking boards he lives here in austin and he owns the largest collection of planchettes in the world so he's an authority really on on talking boards um but the history of talking boards is really fascinating uh and in the literature from about 1888 when the board comes out because it was actually a a top hat before it was a board so i don't know if y'all know that so the actual original board was a top hat it was a game victorians played uh, and so they would put their fingers on the top hat. It would slide around. And then eventually they got rid of the top hat and they kept the table. And that became table tipping seances where table would bounce around and move around. And then somebody tied a pencil to one of the legs of the table. And they put butcher paper on the floor. And this one table had little caster wheels and it would roll around. And then that eventually became smaller until it became the planchette. And that window that you guys see in the planchette that you'll have, you used to stick your pencil in there. And you put that on on the table and you put your fingers on it and it would do that. And then eventually somebody added the board. Uh, and so that's kind of the history uh, in a nutshell. But from about 1888, uh, around the well, 1880s uh, till about maybe 1970s, there is nothing in the spiritualist literature or it any of the occult literature like psychic observer or any of these places where they talk about any kind of demonic possession or evil things occurring with the Ouija board. It's not until Rosemary's baby and the exorcist and all these movies come out that you get this popular culture belief of like opening up these things that are necessary because they're still used. I mean, talking boards in some variation were used for people that were paraplegic for them to be able to, uh, to communicate. And so they would move something on a board uh, even now they do digitally, and so we think about it. And, and Jake's favorite statistic is, what year was it, 18, 1961 or 62, Jake? You're talking about the, uh, the
2: guy that won the, the Book of
3: Ephraim, the 1976? No, 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 I'm talking about uh, when, oh. the talking board, when the Ouija board was the most selling game of the year.
2: Yeah, that was 1960,
3: uh, when was that? I'll tell you in a Two second. Or three. It outsold yeah. Monopoly. It outsold every other board game for the most grossing game. And if you got to imagine, if there's if there's a million games of, of you know Ouija boards sold, where are all those possessed children?
2: Yeah, it was the late 1960s. I think it was I can't remember the exact year, but they, it was the yeah. number one selling board game uh, yeah. in the in the country. So, uh, outsold Monopoly at some at a certain yeah. point.
3: But, you know, everything I think, one thing that we do talk about a lot is about intention. So that's a big part, I think, is is what's your intention going into it, right? Even in our seances we talk about it. So if you're somebody who has a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of fear, uh, when you go into something, you're going to produce that. You're going to give that away, and that's what you're going to get back. I, I think about, like, uh, we all have a friend that always has bad luck, right? Something just always bad is happening to them. Sometimes that's just the disposition of that individual and the way that they kind of experience the world, and that's what they're getting back. What they're giving is what they're getting back. And so a lot of times when you go into these, if you go into it, understanding the intention, right? Some people believe you need to clear the room by ringing a bell three times. Some people believe that you need to clear the room by burning sage, right? Some people believe you need to clear a room by burning incense. Some people will clear a room by chanting. When you think about all these rituals or all of these practices, what it really is, is you giving intention, right? And so what is it that you're trying to do? And that helps you, I think, with that intention um, to, to better kind of like get better footholding on that. And so whatever... It is that makes makes it you know makes you feel comfortable and release that anxiety and that stress is going to be I think, beneficial. Step he gets, down He a gets, gets, gets gone. I get yeah. You, you wind me up and send me out, and I'm going to start going on history yeah, and stuff. He gets, he, yeah, he gets yeah.
2: gone Well, so you guys, I guess you guys had, had, were sort of uh, you're of the opinion it ought to be closed, and there ought to be a certain ritual after you guys use the the, the, the talking board. Is that your sense of it?
0: Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, again, we I haven't visited. It, like performing that or trying to communicate. I'm I'm the scaredy cat, I guess, of the group. I don't really go out seeking it. Um, with the experience that I've personally had, I'm like, okay, that's enough. Like, I don't need to try to talk to the thing. <laughs> like, it, it's something there. So um, I just kind of respect it. Like, hey, you're here. I'm here. Let's just coexist as best as we can. Quit making noises, leave me alone type stuff. Um, so that's, 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 a, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a lot of uh, cult shops that Jake and I talk to that tell us that they don't even carry talking boards in their shops because people coming in freak out about it. And these are occult yeah, shops. These and cult People shops. freak out about them, so they just don't carry them. They'll carry the planchette, but not the board.
2: But, I mean, what I find interesting, fascinating about the, about the Ouija board, talking board, and sort of the things that we do, we have different sort of... Uh, kind of binary tools that give us kind of yes, no kind of responses when we're trying to sort of do call and response, that they all, I mean, you saw, you know, you, you talked about you don't want to talk, but we're trying to talk. We're trying to make that connection, right? And so all these are just various tools. And the one thing that we talk about in the room is that, you know, really the one of the strongest receptors are people themselves, right? So these are just different sort of mechanisms that we can use to try to make connections that we may feel already. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I, find it fascinating. We've, you know, we've, we do talking board workshops and to, I think kind of pretty good success. We've, a lot of times people will be getting gibberish and a lot of times they are not getting gibberish at all. Um, you know, and we've had, we've done workshops where, you know, it's like, all right, we got to turn the lights off, time for everyone to go. And they're like still going crazy with the, with the, with the, with their Ouija board because they, they have so much, they, they find them so fascinating. Um, We don't typically use them in our sound sessions only because they can, uh, you know, they they can take a long time sometimes. And so at a certain point, we've, you know, we can't be there for four hours and waiting for two people sitting around the board to come up with something when we've got, you know, 15 people in the room.
3: And I think also it's also like, I mean, you said you're you're nervous and scared of it. So we pull a Ouija board out. People are like, "Ah, we're out. And then. Out the door Which I, find
2: go, be, so. I find to be, I find to be curious since you're, they, they paid their money to come see a seance. So I yeah. yeah. <laughs> creeped out and he pulled out a Ouija board, but uh, there you have it. Oh, yeah. um, but we, I, 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 think they're great. You know, and I, I, the boards are fascinating. Uh, a guy, you know, it's hard to know. Um, You know, there's a long history of like, uh, of these boards sort of being used for different sort of literary purposes. A guy won in 1976, won the Pulitzer Prize uh, for the Book of Ephraim. It was an uh, epic poem that he, you know, was basically dictated to him through a Ouija board. Uh, there was a religious movement. The Vietnamese uh, Dai movement is based on revelation from a, from a talking board. Um, you know, someone—and so— um, there's,
3: a, there's a woman that wrote—there's a woman that connected allegedly Mark Twain— yeah, Jack Heron, a, what was the was it? Uh, That was written. Uh, I can't remember the person's name. Do you remember the name of the book, Jake? Jack Heron. Uh, Jeff Heron. That's right. Yeah. And so she wrote it, and uh, she used a Ouija board and allegedly spoke to Mark Twain to help write this. This is the first. There's other people, I think. Um, uh, what's her? Uh, uh, sort the Conan Doyle's wife, who wrote some poetry also from uh, somebody who, from the other side, who long passed it. I think it was Byron or somebody. I can't remember. But anyway, so the Mark Twain book, uh, was reviewed by the by uh, the New York Times, and the New York Times uh, had a nice little quote when they did the review saying that if this is the best Mark Twain can do on the other side, then he should respect the borders. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's the quote. That's the quote. Yeah, yeah.
2: her name was, the writer was uh, Emily Grant Hutchings was, that's the, correct. The writer,
3: was the writer's name. They wrote this book uh, Was a medium, I guess, and yeah. was using a Ouija board. And yeah. it was Lord Tennyson, I think, that Lord Arthur Conan Doyle's wife may have been, or another medium was using to as a poet to write posthumous uh, poetry yeah. through the Ouija board.
2: All this stuff I, I just find just, it's just fascinating. The other thing that I'm struck by, and I think that a lot of people are blown away by, um, I, I guess there's more renewed interest in this now, but, you know, spiritualism was a super vibrant movement, a mm-hmm. super vibrant mm-hmm. movement um, up until, I guess, the 1930s or so. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it's hard to sort of overestimate Kind of what a I mean, you know, they were doing seances in the in the White House with the uh, with President Lincoln, right? And
3: uh, well, let me, yeah, that's the thing. I'm gonna, I i do not want to stop you, Jake, but like, you know, we talk about everybody knows Mary Todd Lincoln was into it, but Abraham Lincoln himself would be involved in leading seances and having people come to the seances. So it wasn't just Mary Todd; it was also Abraham. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, I, I so I just think that it's fascinating that I think that a lot of that. Rich history has sort of been lost, and it's one of the things that we we sort of continue to explore in our sessions. And the other thing about it too is that these residual bits of it continue with us today. So uh, the Spiritualist Church, American Spiritualist Church, is a thing that exists today. We've got uh, a very uh, a very uh, uh, old congregation here from the 1920s or 30s here in in Austin, the first Spiritualist Church in Austin. There's a there's a, a friend of ours lives in the spiritualist church building in Taylor, Texas. So these, these churches were all around the country and they still exist today. Uh, there's a Lily the Lily Dell community in upstate community. New York that' that still exists today um, that you know it's a big spiritualist community and so, and so people that are sort of and I, I just find this very interesting and one thing that we yes. Howard and I try to be is um, but we try to be as respectful
3: as we can to, to sort of what it is that we' we're, we're about the movement itself was started as a philosophy movement and the idea was um originally they identified themselves as kind of scientists that were out there to discover what was going to happen to the on the other side uh, you have to imagine that when spiritualism andrew jackson davis was the big proponent of it and then it kind of evolved very quickly once the fox sisters get introduced into it and then it begins to move into pop culture but but um it's it's such a fascinating movement and at that time there's things like mesmerism or animal magnetism we know it as hypnosis now but that was a thing phrenology where you touch someone's head and you're like oh this bump means that you're slightly stupid right and so like there's all these things that are occurring because the, at this time there was uh america was very young and they didn't have their own kind of established religion or or kind of culture and so it's really being developed at that point and we're on the fourth rope on the forefront of science, quote-unquote, right? And so we get um, these, we're always on the forefront of science, I guess, but they really thought that they were like really at the edge of like, these great discoveries world, and so once we were able to commune with the other side, well now we can discover what's on the other side. So they saw themselves almost as like psychonauts or psychopomps going out and like finding out what's going to happen once we, we pass on, and that was originally a large part of that movement in the beginning, uh, which made it so fascinating. There's a great book called Apparitionist, I don't know if you all have ever heard of it, um, but it's on, it, it's mainly on Mumler and his photography, um, but it also talks about some of the things that were occurring at that time uh, around um, the late 1800s, where it talked about uh, the, the development of um, um, telegraph, right? And even like uh leah fox or maggie fox relates speaking to the spirits is very much like a telegraph and so you get the introduction of these new sciences electricity comes it's a very fascinating thing and so all these spiritualists want to know how to like how do we how do we harness this to speak to the dead um we have so many really cool like kind of it's very steampunky that's i guess the feel it's very steampunky kind of feel at that point in, in history
1: not too much of i mean i don't know i'm somewhere in between sometimes i feel skeptic but i i think that me and you have a similar i don't know alignment in the in the sense of like it, i know that started as a science you know and you, i don't think you can have science without spirituality or one without the other you know mm-hmm. it's just us trying to figure out you know certain things things that we don't have a clear understanding of
3: such thing is too much faith in science right and, and so you can also, like science can be sometimes a faith and and you put a lot of belief into it, but science is always evolving, right? So you're going to find out you're wrong eventually at some point, right? Until we get to that final conclusion. And so I think that there's a, a big uh, line in that. And I, and I think that's, you know, I find it fascinating. I think that's also one of those things where, you know, Jake and I have arguments about this all the time, about what is real, what isn't, what are we experiencing? And I think part of that I try not to be too dismissive of stuff because I think it's easy to say, "Oh, well, that's just carbon monoxide poisoning, right? Because each each experience is very different. Each experience has something uh, that is that is occurring, and they have different variables. And I find that also very fascinating. Uh, there's a thing that Jake and I—I'll tell you this quick story. And this is just talking about hauntings. We think about hauntings themselves. Is uh, something I was researching was uh, a video that was allegedly came out in 2008. Uh, from a, a man in Japan who um, started noticing things in his house moving around and disappearing. And, and so he set up a security camera just like he, most of us have now where it sends an alert to his phone um, whenever something's moving around. And so he gets an image on his phone while he's at work of an elderly woman standing in his kitchen. And so, and so there's allegedly this video of this elderly woman just appearing out of nowhere and... Uh, And so I wanted to find that video. Like, I was trying to find it. And I found a video, but it was a hoax, and I was really upset about it. And so I started researching this more, and it was a true story that actually occurred in Japan, and it's in the Associated Press. And the man noticed these things, set up his camera, got an alert, called the police, and the police went to his house to go look for, um, see if any any break-ins, and the house was completely sealed and locked. And so the guy goes over there, unlocks the door, so police can go in and they look around and they can't find any evidence of anybody being in the home at all until one of the officers opens up a closet and looks up into the top of the closet because he knows there's that space that's between the top shelf and like the ceiling. And there they found a fifty-eight year old woman who had been living in his house for a year and a half.
1: Oh my God. (laughs)
3: Yeah. And so and so when we think about some kind of some hauntings like sometimes there are far more scarier things out there than that like a 58 year old woman living in your closet. Uh, and so I thought like this is unique I mean this is this a unique thing and so a journey that I went on for a while I was looking for that and, and that's not the only there was a, a, a group a, a home in Ohio of college students um, where this guy Jeremy and his, and his roommates were all living and they started noticing things like lights being on where they should have been turned off the microwave turned on. Uh, the oven, all kinds of things. And in the basement, there was this weird door where there shouldn't be a door because there was like basically just dirt should be behind that because be, it's underground, right? And um, after experiencing all this weird stuff, the roommates decided they were going to find out what's behind that door. And that's when they found Jeremy. And he'd been living in this little crawl space, like this little room in this crawl space in the basement. And none of them knew about it. And so all of these people all thought that their house was haunted. And all it was was somebody living somewhere in their house which is tricky in its own way right yeah.
0: yeah yeah that's terrifying that is terrifying <laughs> that's, that's why i don't like little doors or little passageways like i need to i need to know everything about where i'm living because that
3: yeah that's- <laughs> yeah i know reaching an end i'll tell you quick i'll tell you because you got talked talk about you you asked that earlier about about bound stories uh when i worked with ghost hunters i remember i went on a ghost hunting uh, trip to a place and uh, it was a hospital, and it was one of these things where, it all oh, it's haunted because of X, Y, and Z. And and, uh, and I was sleeping in the morgue because the ghost hunters were too afraid to be at the morgue. So I was by myself in the morgue, uh, and they were in a van. And so I'm laying there in the dark, and I hear the radio, shh, Albert, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, nothing. And and they were like, you know, okay, well, let us know if things happening. I'm like, okay. So I'm like the, you know, I'm the goat tied to a stake, uh, just waiting for the dinosaur to come out. And so sitting in this, sitting in the lobby, I decided I was going to explore a little bit more. And in one of the rooms was like the rooms where they kept all the bodies because it was a morgue. The other room had uh, all of these desks and chairs all stacked up. And so you really couldn't get in there. And I decided I was going to finally go in there. I was like, you know what? It's like two in the morning, I'm going to go in there. So I start crawling over all the stuff, kind of moving it away. And I noticed on the other side of the desk, which you couldn't really see from outside the room unless you went in, was a little door. So he said, like, there's little doors that are scary. So I radio back, oh, there's a little door in here. I'm going to go in there. And they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go in. And they were like, oh, no, don't do it. So now they all come running out because Albert's about to go crawl into a little space. Uh, And so I open the door and I crawl in there. And and it goes underneath the hospital. And there's all this, like, medical... Jaderus around ephemera like papers and, and x-rays and all that. And and I remember talking to them and I asked, like, what is the what's going on with this this hospital? Of course, there was the usual story, like, oh, this hospital is built on the patients of yellow fever, and so now it's haunted by that. And and you're like, Okay, yeah, whatever. That's that happens everywhere. Uh, and so uh, the other one was that there's a doctor who goes around and he helps those who are about... He had passed away in the hospital or something. And he goes around and his spirit helps those who are about to pass over. And so people see him before he dies, right? And so that's the story that they're also told. So I'm underneath this crawl space and I find an oil painting. It's probably like three feet by five feet. It's a really big oil painting. And I ask, I radio back to people like, what's the name of the doctor? And they tell me, and I'm like, you will not believe this. And underneath the hospital... It was this oil painting of this doctor in this crawl space. And so I pulled it out and I showed them, we took some pictures, and then I put it back in the in the crawl space. And so I thought that was a really like that reminds me, like to, to loop back from the very beginning, little girl with photos in the attic, we've got an oil painting of a doctor under a crawl space. Oh my oh, very God. creepy. <laughs> yeah.
2: Full
0: circle, you
3: guys.
0: (laughs) That was awesome, and I know we're at uh, the end of our hours. So, really, uh, a huge thank you, and of course, we want to give you uh, another minute just to let people know where they can find you. Anything y'all have upcoming?
2: um. Yeah, uh, we're uh, obviously we're DawsonSounds.com. We would encourage we have a Patreon now, and we uh, are our Patreon subscribers. Uh, can get some of the free gifts in the mail and they get our, our print journal. We have an old school uh, print journal that we send out. You get it in the mail. It's not like an online thing. You'll get it in your mailbox. So uh, we encourage you to come up to officehounds.com and you can find out about that. And so all the money that we make from uh, the journal and for advertising and all that, we, we 100% of it, we use to pay for artists and writers. Uh, so we'll also be at the site May? May, yeah. Uh, May, I'm not sure, but that's also in San Antonio over at the uh,
3: um, Swan Inn, right? You know, Black Swan. Black, yeah, Black, no, Black Swan's a yoga place. Swan Inn is the other place.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll be there. <laughs> I think we're
3: lecturing or something.
2: Okay. Um, so we'll be there as burlesque. well. Burlesque, we're
3: doing burlesque there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and then we'll be at, uh, you know, just uh, go to office.com or join us our, our newsletter and you can find out about our regular appearances at the Vortex or wherever
3: it might be so and uh, we'll see you on the future maybe even at paranormal fest
0: yeah that would be yeah.
3: awesome
2: yeah
3: <laughs> all right <laughs> talk to y'all soon
1: that was fucking awesome man austin sands is shit i love that they do uh, all that history and, um, you know, that they talk about just all kinds of aspects of spirituality and the paranormal. Um, and they're just so informative. Yeah, no, It was really great. Like, uh, I think
0: it was funny because throughout they were like, do y'all have, like, questions? And it was like, y'all are, like, answering them, though. Like, just keep talking. Like, they were just so great. Um, and really, we could have let them talk for hours. Um, it was just such a good time. Uh Really enjoyed it. 10 out of 10.
1: Yeah. Definitely for recommend. Sure. And honestly, I would rather not ask questions. Like, I want you to just take it away. <laughs> take <laughs> me into take your world. It. Take me away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, man, it makes my job easier. But it's, it's just <laughs> fucking awesome. Uh, they just had so much to share. And. And, you know, they, I, I feel like they probably have way more, oh, too, yeah. as well. So oh, yeah. if you're in the Austin area or if you come to the Austin area, definitely check them out. Or, if, you know, you're out there in San Antonio when they're out there, please check them out. They're so cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. But even after talking to such cool people, we still need to cleanse it. Where's my girl, Sif?
0: the power i beg of you are you awake tumble give me the power i beg of you love one de and push her on ce soir et je ne are you
1: awake take a big deep breath in let that baby out and you're cleansed. I feel it. Like, my face got
0: relaxed. Like, I dropped my shoulders. It feels good. Feels real good.
1: Yeah. I love, like, that uh, that meme or whatever where It's like, unclench your jaw. <laughs> Drop your shoulders. <laughs> like, yes. calm the fuck down. Because <laughs> I need to be reminded that because... <laughs> Very tense human being. I sleep with my jaw clenched yeah. and my fists balled mm-hmm. up. I am mm-hmm. like, like ready for impact. I need to let that shit go, man. <laughs> but as Payouche, thanks everybody for hanging out. <laughs> and we're signing off with two besitos. From these putitas.